This is Sharon Steitler, the bird chick, and I am here with non-birding Bill. Good morning. Yes, um, this is going to be a different podcast. This is going to be a little bit of a caffeinated podcast. <laughs> uh, we normally film our podcast. Film. We, record, we do film our podcast. We record our podcast at night uh, because uh, that's just the way we roll. That's, that's, when we're, that's when we're home. That's what old people do. Yes. And <laughs> sit around knitting and <laughs> podcasting. And, um, and whittling. <laughs> Just life got in the way this week, so and and you know now that we have Patreons, you know we have our bobblings, we have our our shoe bill, yep. our Bill's brown birds, yep. and our kiskities. You know, so we we have to get this out. So we're recording this in the morning, and I've just been like a media like crazy person. So like in the last couple of days, I recorded something for a podcast called Bird Banter, okay, which was a podcast that started because he listened to ours and thought I can do better than this. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, I was on Almanac, which is a public a public television thing that yep. airs on a Friday night. And yep. I'm always fascinated, like, who are the people that are watching public television on a Friday Old night? <laughs> Old people with money. It also cracks me up. Like, all my friends are like, can I come with you sometime? Like, really? To Almanac? You you want to sit down for that one? Like, when I go to Care 11, <laughs> you like, at least have a shot at meeting Donny Osmond. It's like being backstage <laughs> at the Cirque du Soleil, Sharon. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> It is not. No, Almanac is fun because it's it's a very political show. You know, like they'll mm-hmm. they'll have sen- senators and you know legislators on and all that. And uh, they're always a bit. They're kind of posing in the green room, right? Yeah, and, you know, like you're. Yeah, I get it. Like you want to. They're constantly campaigning. You're representing yourself. Yeah, and, yeah. You, know, yeah. you or, can't just cut loose and do whatever the fuck you want. And so, you know, I just go in there and and I, I and like the makeup artist. Everybody wants to tell me their bird story, and sure. so I'm just like, yeah, that's great. They're great. and they're like, so what? What are you on for? And it's like, birds, like bird Wild, birds, wildlife re- re- legislation. Yeah, yeah. I was like, no, I just, I just, I just come on and talk about birds, and uh. they're just like, they're, they're they're baffled and transfixed <laughs> at the same time. It's like, oh, okay. Okay. Are, is, are you important? Should I pay more attention to there's you? There's a tremendous amount of freedom that comes with having absolutely no power whatsoever. I know. <laughs> I just I just come on and talk about it. And also, like, I'm really quiet. And it's really strange to me with Almanac, I think because everybody is so quiet on that show sure. that when they get me on there, I immediately, like, I'll start and I'll sit down and I'm having, like, a normal conversation yeah. with them like I am with you. But then, like, as soon as the camera light comes on, I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and you can just see, like, the, the political team's just like... What the fuck is happening over there? And yeah, yeah it's like you're, you're along for the ride, baby. We're just gonna <laughs> spout bird nonsense for the next two minutes. That's great. Anywho, anywho. So um, yeah, so I did that bird banter. Um, I literally just finished uh, filming a segment this morning uh, with Sven Sundgard, our mm-hmm. local NBC weatherman, yep. uh, about how Minneapolis, the city we live in, just specifically Minneapolis, specifically not even St. Paul, uh, which. St. Paul year is much to blame, too. But uh, we have uh, enough light pollution that we're messing with birds as they migrate. We're one of the most dangerous cities for birds to migrate through, uh, both in spring and fall. Yes. And And we told them this was going to happen. (laughs) You know what? When when you build a major metropolitan area right on a major migratory corridor, there's also an airport. There's a lot of terrible things for birds in the Twin Cities. But there are a lot of things you can do for birds. But the great thing about this segment was... um, 
I didn't like. I was like, oh yeah, th- this is a problem. They were like, yeah. And then there's the Viking Stadium. Yeah. And it's like, see these condos. If you live in these condos, you homeowner, you are just as much a part of the problem. So anyway, it was it's fun to mix it up with Sven. Good. Do we know when that's gonna air? I think it's gonna air on Monday. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Um, <sighs> so, one thing, uh, and I think we did this for, this is our public podcast, right? Yes, this isn't the Patreon. So, yeah. so uh, we were going to toast to Bill Thompson the third. BT3, man. BT3. He has gone on to that great migration in the sky. That's a good man. I met him, I've only met him a couple times, but we were very friendly online. We stayed at his house. Yep. Yep. his dog. Met his children. That was more Julie's dog, but yeah, yeah. we did. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think Trip Bigger is my dog. I know. It's the only time you've ever wanted to meet bird people is when... <laughs> well, I want to meet the dog, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I wanted to meet Julie, but no. Yeah, we filmed that segment. Uh, uh, yeah, lovely man. It was, it's always too soon, but it was really too soon. It was too soon. But Jeff Gordon from the American Birding Association wrote this really great blog post about uh, 12 ways that you can honor Bill's memory. Mm-hmm. And it's it's... There are a lot of really great things in there. And, you know, one of the things and one of the things I've been doing this week is eat and drink good food and beverages with people you love. Tell them that you love them and how much they mean to you between bites and sips. And I think that's that's lovely. Yeah. So there are a lot of things here. We're going to link to that. You should read it. If you knew if you ever met BT3, this is you'll understand why this article is a really great idea. If you are only marginally aware of him, there are just some really great suggestions in here. And it's just it's. Amazing across the board, all the different tributes that people have. Yeah. All right, you'll be missed, Bill. Uh, what else you got for me? You are so weird caffeinated. This I know. is such a different vibe with the podcast. Well, I'm, so, you know, we're talking about a friend who's passed away, and I'm not drunk. I'm sorry. I like to think that you're not drunk on the podcast. Mildly buzzed. Well, well, we may be re-recording this podcast because maybe with the last <laughs> podcast that we tried to record, you were there. May have been some slurring, right. and I was like, "Oh no, we can't." It's been that. a week. It's been, it's a, been week. a week. It's been a week. Um, so, well, here's something that's kind of interesting. I guess this podcast is going to focus a lot on bald eagles. Okay. Uh, the Did sentry- you see the eagle? <laughs> I knew I was going to get the look. It was the delay. Like it was trying, I could see you processing. <laughs> the problem is, is like people listening to the podcast cannot. Oh, I'm sure they can imagine. Uh, bird, uh, Bill's bird update. I have not seen the bald eagle that I was seeing for a while on my commute home from work. There was an adult bald eagle that was frequently spotted soaring over the highway. In the town in which I work, I've not seen it lately. So maybe I've seen was... the bald eagle soaring over our apartment quite yeah. a bit. So maybe but... it has, maybe it has moved along. No, in like one general area, like mm. it was always there. So I was like, oh, maybe that's where it's nested. But it might. Be. Did you see it over the winter, or I, I saw it like last month. Oh yeah, like it may have migrated. Three, yeah, you know, different occasions, like in the same area. So, yeah, might, so maybe it fucked off. Maybe it wasn't even the same bird. Maybe not. You know, they all kind of look alike. All right, so let's talk bald eagles. Bald the eagle talk. Center for Conservation Biology okay. uh, has found some bald eagle nests that are right on the ground. So oh, on wow. these beaches. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, ground weird. nesting bald eagles. Has this been documented before? Um, I th- Maybe, like someone said at some point. Yeah, but okay. uh, 
that they said that uh, the Center for Conservation Biology has mapped and inspected more than 5,000 eagle nests over the past few decades, yeah. but we never expected to see them taking up residence on an open beach. A newly constructed wow. eagle nest was discovered at Cape Charles Christmas Bird Count on December 30th, 2018. It was isolated out on the open beach. The nest would have two eggs, and on March 30th, the adult was observed brooding small young. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and they have they have pictures of it, so you can see it. And you can literally walk right up to this nest. That's nuts. Well, I mean, if it's not a populated area. Yeah, sure. I mean, know. obviously, you know, the predation is an issue, and the birds you know, are adult enough to know what they're doing. I mean, that's the interesting thing, is that these are... Do they have pictures of the birds? Are they adults? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're definitely adults. So but... presumably they've been doing this for a while. I mean, that's a huge... Well, they found a second nest, too. But yeah, here's the adult right okay. there brooding in. So, but that's not a one-year nest. That's like a nest... Here's another one. This is a, a tree that's fallen down. Okay. And that actually kind of makes more sense. The thing with it being right on the beach is that... Is tide ever going to be an issue? You know, how do they figure that out? Yeah, but I mean, like, that's not a, that's not, is that the size of a nest that is the first year of its being built? Well, that, this is me. a Christmas bird count that's been done more than once. I mean, that, yeah, that, yeah this is, this is a, this is a new eagle nest. Okay. Yeah, that's a newish right. nest. That's a newish, because I mean, they, they really compile it on. Interesting. On Interesting behavior. Yeah, so, yeah, go, the crazy, crazy bald eagles. So, also speaking. Damn nature, you crazy. Also speaking of bald eagles, um, bald eagles in Seattle are causing a bit of a problem. Okay. They're taking trash from a Seattle landfill and dumping it into suburban yards. (laughs) Okay. Whoops. Uh, The trash, including a blood-filled biohazard container landed in one lucky resident's yard, is coming from a nearby landfill that takes in two tons of fresh trash a day. Bald eagles pick out the juicy morsels of food found in the landfill and then discard the junk that they don't want nearby neighborhoods. So they're basically like, I'm just going to take this. Yeah. Which is, if you've ever gone to a landfill, they're just chock full of bald eagles. Right. I believe you mentioned, like, one of the hot birding spots in Texas, southern Texas, is a landfill. Oh, well, that was to get the Tamalupus crow. Right. But um, there's, but no, years ago, uh, I think it was at the Space Coast Birding and Nature Festival, there was an option to go into a landfill with Alvaro Yaramillo to go look at gulls. And that was fun. But there was just about every heron species you could imagine mm-hmm. on top of turkey vultures and uh, bald eagles. And you're watching them feed on this trash, and it's like, okay, that, that makes sense. And I mean, there's like thousands of birds in right. there feeding off this. But I also have to wonder, I know what I throw away and what gets mixed together. It's amazing that the birds have the digestive digestive system to deal with not only super old meat, but you're not just throwing right. organics away generally well, in the trash. That is, you know, that is you know, a problem that you see in wildlife and, is yeah. that they have human garbage in their stomach. Like well, a toxic, lot of, yeah, things they're not supposed to be eating. Well, a lot of that is just plastics. Yeah. Uh, that's getting into things like the Mississippi River, but which goes like to the, the Gulf of Mexico. It's the it's the whole bird feeder thing with squirrels. It's like this: here is a tremendous pile of free food that I can get with expending very little energy. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna go there and pick through. Now, obviously, this is I don't know what they can do besides removing the eagles to prevent this. I feel bad for the people. I certainly, especially if I had like children, I wouldn't want a biohazard bag no, exploding no, on no, my front lawn. No. Uh, it's like Fight Club. <laughs> uh, disgusting. 
or just like you know, God knows what else. I'll find razor blades and things like you know. But uh, depends. On, but that's I feel bad for the people, and it's funny because it's not happening to me. But I do feel bad for the people. So, but I don't know what they're going to do because obviously, what do you do? Get rid of the gar- the landfill? No. Can't keep bur- can't keep animals out of a landfill. No, no, and there's another issue with this too that says the main issue is the open air landfill area, the Cedar Hills Regional Landfill in King County. It was supposed to have been closed years ago, but a proposed expansion has kept it open. Uh, in fact, the expansion is meant to keep the landfill exposed until 2040. And so the residents are like, no, this can't happen. But I do find it's like, I, I love the idea of the national symbol just kind of like here's dropping some, trash in some garbage. Yard. It's a 70s uh, ad. And then the, <laughs> the Indian turns and has a single tear running down. Yeah, so yeah. No, no. In this case, it's uh, the, the eagle. Or is somebody on some birding group always calls them freedom gliders. <laughs> It's both annoying and hilarious. Well, Here's that, another freedom glider today. Well, that gets into a, a segue we can do about what is your new favorite catchphrase? Dust my what? Dust my what's. Didn't we talk about dust my what's? I thought we talked about it on the bonus episode. I can't remember if we talked about it. On well, the, then that's on the for the, the, the bonus people. Yeah. How are we going to go from bald eagles to dusting my what's? <laughs> Things that people say that drive me crazy. And if you, well, I think that drives you crazy, not necessarily me. <laughs> It's just, it's like the it's like the shark from Jaws. I know it's out there somewhere, and I'm just waiting for it to pop up again. And the next time you take me to an Italian restaurant. <laughs> That's why I'm keto. I'm never going to take you. <laughs> oh, my God. My what? Uh, you know, it's bad enough being a waiter and dealing with the bad jokes already. I can't imagine the urge to kill they have <laughs> people doing this. Can you... Dust my wet. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to know what that is, you have to be a Patreon member and get the Patreon uh, uh, podcast. All right. Do we have uh, more Eagle talk? No, actually, let's switch over to Sandhill Crane talk. All right. So Nebraska's had quite a bit of flooding. Okay. Uh, and so apparently, and I've been trying to watch this, and I hadn't seen too many reports until like the last two weeks. But yeah, it's been pretty hard to see the the cranes because of all the flooding. Uh, and they've been doing uh, aerial sandhill crane surveys now that they can. And they uh, have, like, the highest sandhill crane count that they've ever had uh, through the Sandhill Crane Trust oh, in wow. Nebraska. They've broken their record, uh, and they got, let's see, over 600,000 cranes. So this is what Ow. they're saying. They estimate with their aerial count that they got 659, 870 Sandhill cranes mm-hmm. plus or minus sixty one thousand. Sure. So you know, but I mean, still, that's that's an incredible number of sandhill cranes. That and, is, and that's good. And it's you know, and I I think the water is kind of concentrating them into different. Oh, areas. I see. That's what you're. That's what the flooding is doing because there's not enough. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, so one factor that may explain this high peak is that generally the eastern portion of our survey area uh, peaks at one to two weeks ahead of the central and western segments. Uh, however, given the delayed start to migration in the central Platte River Valley this year and the recent warm weather, a very high percentage of sandhill cranes may be here at the same time in migration. So rather than cranes mm-hmm. just coming in, in waves, they're just like, we got to go and we haven't been able to go. Yeah. We're having kind of a crazy goose migration uh, happening in western Minnesota. Okay. So, you know, they, they typically go through the Dakotas. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of birders I know will go through there to see the gigantic goose tornadoes. But... <laughs> What? I used to play a bass in Goose Tornado. 
But uh, because uh, things are still frozen in South Dakota and, and North Dakota, the the snow geese drifted east. And so, mm-hmm. and I'm actually thinking about doing this this weekend because I keep seeing people posting videos. And I love to be overwhelmed by snow geese. It's just, <laughs> it's just fun. And yeah, I was actually today I was trying to talk to Sven. He's like, you want to come with me? And he's like, why don't you just send me the video? <laughs> like, oh, weatherman, you have a life outside of the news on the weekends. You don't want to go party it with me in Wilkin County? But yeah, so yeah, there's just so that's that's all part of the ice out stuff. And then also the things that are happening is like as ice is gradually melting, like we have like it, there's a lot of rimming happening around the chain of lakes. Sure. Uh, and by rimming, I mean like the water's open at the edge. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> you shut up. Why not? I... Again, it's the morning. Uh... I know. I know. It's like it's almost like I feel like I'm in my ranger uniform. <laughs> Oh. I told you the story about the IT guy walking through our office. No. And and whenever somebody needs something female related, they don't come into my office. They kind of like drift and kind of announce just assuming I'm the one that's going to say, yes, I have the sewing kit or yes, I right. have the tampon or whatever, uh, you know. So this time he was like drifting. He's like, anybody have any lotion? And I I didn't. Sure. And, and so, but the guy next to me in his cube, he's like, Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, that's a big bottle of lotion. I was like, don't say anything, Jeremy. Don't yeah. Say anything, Jeremy. So, <laughs> IT guy goes and disappears. Comes back, like, five, ten minutes later. And it's like, oh, thank you so much for that lotion. It was a night and day difference of with it and without it. I was like, <laughs> you can't give me softball pitches like that when I'm at work. Why are you trying to make me have... I'm not. I don't want to create a hostile work environment. Why are you doing this to you me? You are a hostile work environment. Someone else was asking me questions about what kind of Mac to get next, and I was because I need to get a new MacBook, and I'm kind of debating. And and, right. and this, this this gentleman said, "Yeah, I just really like ports. I like putting things into ports. And I don't know if I want to not." And I was just like, <laughs> "I am 15 years old. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Stop." Yeah. Oh, lovely. What else we got? Um, oh, so, you know, people are always asking, why is there no app that will identify bird songs for me? Right. Well, they've been working on one for quite some time, and it's called Bird Genie. And Bird Genie has come out. And I've played with it. I've kind mm-hmm. of alpha and beta tested it. Yep. Um, the more it gets used, the better it will get. But the app also includes pictures of uh, habitat for all the birds that are in there and even has 3D models for some of the species that you can check out, which is, this is made by the same people who made the Warbler Guide app. So if you've played with that app Uh and you you can, they have 3D models in there, the Warblers that you you can move around. But I think it's worthwhile to check out. And and again, it's available for both uh, iPhone and Android. That's cool. How well well is it working right now, would you say? For a novice user, not for somebody like you. Granted, I haven't played with this particular version, but I would say it's about 75% accurate. But it only does really common species. Okay. So it's not like you're, it's not, this is probably not going to identify, um, what's a really hard bird? It's probably not going to identify Henslow Sparrow for you. Sure. But, you know, your tanagers, your orioles, and it might get you to the the ballpark. It also includes um, sonograms in it, which a lot of people, I think, when you visualize the bird song, oh, yeah, yeah. it helps you remember it, even if you don't get the right bird. But once you figure out what the ID is, you can like you have that visual right. clue of what the the. Well, I think that's. Like. I mean, I really think that's what we need is a is a tool for 
beginners because i mean obviously like there are okay the technical complexities of of figuring of recording every bird song and creating a program that can identify that mm-hmm. based on a something that you hear in the holding your phone up in the wild with all the background noise i mean you know or and other birds singing so you know it is singing. going to record birds that you don't want yeah but just like the idea that it if it helps you learn what a like i have a vague idea of what a cardinal sounds like and i've been with you for 25 years now so it's the it's bird like, that sounds like a laser gun outside exactly our window. yeah so i know i think i know the robin and i know the blue jay for sure and that's just about it you you, you know more than you realize you knew chickadee okay you would know nuthatch you know, so, so, but anyway, I'm just saying, like, if you ask me, what does a nuthatch sound like? I, right now, I could not tell you off the top of my head. Well, that's a hard one to, to duplicate. I mean, right. it's like... Oh, and I know uh, Red Wing Blackbird. Oh. The, the one really pissed off call they have, they do it when they're, when they're flexing their guns on their... Conqueree. Standing on the uh, little twig or cattail. That was my favorite part of, like, when I worked downtown was when I, when I would walk home and walk through Loring Park. And, like, the first Red Wing Blackbirds would show up and, like, stand on the little bridge and just, like, <laughs> like he was trying to square up on me. It was like, hey, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> and sometimes they, they, they will, like, ricochet off your head. Almost yeah. every time someone's like, this bird hit me today. It's like, were you, were you near a pond? Yeah. Was it black? Sure. Yeah, it was a Red Wing yeah. Blackbird. But, yeah, just, uh, yeah, it was a cool. I like, I like Red Wing Blackbirds. I know some people find them annoying. I like them this time of year. Yeah. Because it's like, it's been so quiet. And it's like, oh my God, I can hear something. Oh, they're they the, one of the sounds. first ones back. They're yeah. one of the first ones back and one of the first ones to sing. And it's like, oh, oh they got your back. They miss you so much. Oh my God. Oh my God. But it's not like you see them because you see like a cardinal that's standing there with its little tuft, you know, fully erect and sort of dignified. And like, red winged blackbirds are clearly pissed off about this. Like, they're like, look at this. Ah! Like, they're flexing on you. I love this inner monologue of birds that you have. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you just made me think of one of my favorite uh, Calvin and Hobbes Sunday strips. It's uh, Bill Watterson drawing like a sparrow or something landing on a on a stick. And he goes, <clears throat> me, 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 me. On top of spaghetti. My federal government computer keeps beeping at us, and I don't know why. So if you hear something in the background, it's it's my federal laptop. It's closed. No, that's an indication that you should turn the page now on your Bird Chick podcast. <laughs> I can learn to read. But no, it's like, why, why is the government trying to talk to me? It's my time off. I don't have to talk to you now, federal government. Leave me alone. Stay out of my podcast. Uh, oh, speaking of podcasts. So Patreon members, you, you said you wanted uh, guests. Yep. So I thought... I kind of came up with a list of guests of people that I know, not necessarily people that that right. I would have to like do some work to get. Sure. Asked three people, thinking two are most likely going to say I'm too busy. No, thank you. Right. All three have said yes. <sighs> Wonderful. We're not going to announce anything yet. No, because I don't know how in what order. Because I only because right. we're only going to have the interviews on for the public podcast. It's not just for Patreon members, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Oh, you know what? Maybe we, we'll do maybe we'll do like a little bonus thing just for Patreons. You know what we could do with one of them? Mm. We could interview his chickens. We could. For the bonus episode. That sounds great. That sounds like a great use <laughs> of everyone's time and the technology that we have. So um <laughs> that engineers have poured their life's blood into 
People have assembled. They've dug minerals out of the ground so that we can interview chickens and share that with the world. I think that's what the Patreon members want. All right. They said they like it when it gets weird. So one of these people has done birding podcasts before, mm-hmm. but and you've met this person before. Like We've had dinner with them. Sure. So that's why I was like, okay, we can have... You you can cut loose on this podcast. The other two have never done a birding podcast, but they have done several podcasts. And they're kind of bird related. How many people do you suppose outside of the birding industry have done birding podcasts? I don't... Because there's not a lot of them. It's not like... No, no, and that's why I'm super excited. It's like, this is going to be... Saying they've never done a podcast is, you know, it's a thing, because it's a thing people do now. Mm-hmm. But saying they've never done a birding podcast, never... I don't I don't think that that's that high a bar to cross. Well, I feel in some ways that there's a select group of us that are on podcasts birding-wise all the time. Sure. You know, it's just, we're because we're chatty, we're, we're, we're good guests, and, you know, it's... it's. Right. But I, and I feel like, and if someone asks me to be a guest on their birding podcast, I'm absolutely going to do it. I'm, I'm, I want to be supportive. But at the same time, like, I'm pretty sure everybody knows how I got into birds at this point. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everybody knows. I don't think I have anything that I can tell your guests that they wouldn't already know. So yeah. that's why I'm excited to get people on that you wouldn't normally think of birders, sure. but they do watch birds. They they have an interest. One of them even showed me his digiscoping setup, and this was years ago before <laughs> Renner Technique. So, um, yeah, I think people are going to be surprised, and I think that maybe it'll lead to more. Maybe this will get our eventual goal of having Jason Manzukas on this show. I would I would lose my fucking mind. He's going to be. I just learned like two weeks ago he's going to be in the new John Wick movie, and I could not be more excited. I'm going to lose my mind. What are the John Wick movies about? Uh, Keanu Reeves is an assassin, and he keeps trying to leave the assassin life, and he keeps getting pulled back in. So this is kind of like The Matrix. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's a, li- <laughs> it's a little bit. It's, a, it's much more, it's less thoughtful and more violent. Like, the guys who, the guys who wrote and directed this mm-hmm. were on his stunt team on The Matrix. So oh, these are very action-focused okay. movies. They're very good. It's the movie where he has to seek revenge because they killed his dog. That's the that's the first I've one. I've never seen these. He he sought revenge against someone for killing their dog? Yeah. I want to write a, a movie where I'm seeking revenge because somebody killed the leper I wanted to see. There you go. There, I'm an assassin. That's, there you go. We've talked about this before. The first, that... one, the first one's very grim. The second one, I mean, because part of the appeal well, of the movie is... Well, the dog is, dies. Of course it's grim. Yeah, I mean, it's very... No, I mean, it's just like the action and everything. The tone of it is very... But the second... But it introduces this world of super assassins and there's like a hotel that they can stay at and like the second one leans more into that world of these you know this sort of fantasy world of of you know super assassins running around and looking great and having all their fantastic weapons and then this third one is going to be him on the run from all these super assassins they're good movies i i don't think i've seen if you like a good if you if you like gunfights that's it's this is good you remember how like somebody described um Fury Road. The plot of Mad Max Fury Road is Vroom. <laughs> the plot of the John Wick movies is Bang Bang. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, do I have any other stories? We said Bird Genie's been released. Beach Nesting Eagles. Cranes. Um, oh, well, we should wrap up. Uh, the most dangerous cities for birds. Yeah. Uh, all of you should be ashamed right now. Okay. Chicago. You're number mm. one and bad and dangerous for birds, both in spring and fall. I number one. No, oh. we're just in the top ten. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, uh, Chicago, you're you're number one. Houston, 
we have a problem. You're the second worst for migrating birds. Interesting. Uh, for uh, both spring and fall. Okay. Is that because they're on a migratory route? Yeah. Well, oh, okay. you know, Texas. Uh, speaking of Texas, Dallas. For Ooh, shame. Dallas and Houston. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, so, yeah, both spring and fall, you're the third worst. Now, uh, fourth is uh, for spring migration, Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, for fall migration, Atlanta. And that's because birds take different routes. Okay. Uh, so that's that's why that can happen. So, what I mean, what's the, what's the cure for this? Is it like... Building, obviously. Okay, so we've got the buildings already built. They're not going to tear those down. Those no. are brand new buildings. The, the problem is, and I mean, I'm not the first person to bring this up. I, I've, I've seen Ken Coffin talk about this, is that we've gotten into this thing of everybody telling the numbers of how many birds are killed. You know, like mm-hmm. six million birds a year are, are killed. And so you hear that. And then you hear the numbers for wind turbines. And okay. that that's... A, significantly smaller number and then you hear the millions of birds killed by cats Mm -hmm. and i think the trouble that we've gotten into is that these numbers are so large that when you try to relate that to somebody Mm -hmm. the average person was like well fuck it you know this is killing way more birds than that and if everything's killing millions of birds and yet i still see a bird outside it can't be that bad you know there are just that many birds and so they're not seeing the overall picture of no no these birds are declining and also the problem is so overwhelming people feel like they can't do anything and i think what the purpose of this article was trying to do was trying to get people in these major metropolitan areas to just do one thing like hey maybe turn off the lights in your house at night because lights will uh, right. help disorient birds. And it's not just office buildings. Uh, in the Twin Cities, they're building luxury condos left and right. And right now, luxury condos right on the Mississippi River is a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy how much. I mean, like, a one-bedroom condo on the Mississippi River in downtown Minneapolis can go for over $3 million. I believe it. And it is like a converted flour mill. And, and, and I wonder, it's like, wow. What were people who used to work at, at, at this flour mill in the 1800s, you know, toiling away in here? What would they know to think like this one particular room in this factory went for $3.1 million? Yeah, it's uh, it's sort of mind boggling. And like, I I don't know. It's like I still I still remember when the housing boom started, like they started building all of yeah. these things in anticipation of people moving here. Yeah. And I was like, who's going to buy these things? And like, they're already like sold out. Yeah, they're like, already sold yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I mean, it is something to think about. If you're it's someone who thinks, well, I'm just tucked away in my little condo. I don't mm-hmm. have to worry. It's like, yeah, you're high enough up. If you're as high up as the Viking Stadium, you're you're a, a, a problem. Mm. And but the thing is, and some of the things you can do, like Sibley has talked about, well, you know, you just like, like draw in fluorescent marker on the outside. Well, if it's a high up building. How are you going to get outside to your window? But there, I feel like rather than focusing on how overwhelming the problem is, maybe start focusing on the one thing that you can do here and there. Okay. Um, So, for example, keep your cat indoors. Don't just say, well, lots of cats are killing birds. Or, you know, if you you have an opportunity to keep your cat indoors more often, please do. if you have an opportunity to put markers on your window, please do. If you have an opportunity to put screens on your window, uh, please do. And then one of my favorites is my friend Michelle, who works for the Nature Conservancy. She always says, if everybody just planted one native plant, whether it's a plant, a, a, a tree, shrub, mm-hmm. one native plant in your area, that would do more for birds than anything because even if the bird isn't eating seeds off that maybe it attracts a bug or a pollinator that a bird would like to eat um and so she was really funny she was really surly at the last birds and beers and she's like 
Okay, everybody, I'm Michelle Kalantari. Plant some goddamn native plants, people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, I was like, that's kind of like what I want to start telling people. Like, yeah, just turn off your fucking lights. Okay. But it's, it, it's... Let's, well, let's do that this summer. Let's get a native plant. Let's plant a native plant in our container garden. Isn't parsley native? We plant that for the boy. Okay. But yeah, but I mean, no, if you want, well, some of the plants that are, are really good, you know, they need like mm-hmm. a deep taproot. But, you know, I've, one of the things that I've done with our building is, you know, we had to get some trees replaced. Uh-huh. I gave them a list of trees that are native and bird friendly and also are the trees that are going to hang with us through climate change. It's right. very interesting because we're going through the whole emerald ash borer thing here right. in the Twin Cities and the trees are coming down. And there's a there's a, an effort here called Plant for the Future where we're trying to replace those trees and replace the canopy that's going to go away. But we're also looking at trees that uh, are going to survive with us in the next 200 years because climate change. Right. So maybe some southern species that you wouldn't normally think of for Minnesota, but you know maybe maple isn't the best thing to keep planting right now because it may not be able to take the climate change that's happening here. But it's really fascinating that some state organizations are digging in their heels like no we need to plant tamaracks here and it's like you know we're probably not going to have quite the right climate for tamaracks okay you can you you. what's the big deal about a tamarack it's a it's a boreal species and you know minnesota we're minnesota was not meant to be a static thing we're kind of like this this battleground for boreal forest okay uh, prairie and oak savanna but because like we've settled it and everything we want to keep that where it is so you know, some years we would have had more boreal forests than others, but we have like this little remnant, or I shouldn't say little, we have some boreal forest up in Minnesota, but as things get warmer, that's mm-hmm. not going to stay. It's going to be too warm for that, and that's going to push back up into Canada. The yeah. Mm. So. <sighs> Did you read that super depressing article about, uh, oh, it was an opinion piece really about the zebra mussel lakes? No. This guy's basically, I mean, he laid his case out pretty clearly, and I can't remember what the guy's name was, but it was in the strip. And he was talking about, the problems of how we got to the problem of having zebra mussels in our lakes. And he's like, these lakes cannot be saved. No, they can't. We need to completely cut off, not like completely cut off access, but like the boats that are in there can only be in that lake. They can never be taken out. People cannot bring their own boats in there. Can you imagine telling that to the people of Lake Minnetonka? Yeah. (laughs) And that was it. It was like, if we let this happen, it's going to spread to all the other. He's essentially saying these lakes are dead. Because we can't, if anything we did to kill the zebra mussels that would be strong enough would kill everything in the lake. Yeah. And, you know, it's, but basically he was saying we need to, okay, this is, he's basically saying kind of like what we did with the the lock and dam. It's like we have to stop this now. We cannot have any more barge traffic below this point. Mm-hmm. <sighs> People. Yeah. And that that's, that's one way Minnesota has decided to deal with the Asian carp is, uh, fun fact, I, I run the visitor center for mm-hmm. the uppermost lock on the Mississippi River yep. in, in partnership with the Army Corps of Engineers. Come visit me in the summertime. I'll give you a tour on the lock wall if I'm around. Um, but, uh, yeah, that lock was closed to navigation in June of 2015. Yep. Uh, and... The big conversation that was happening was it was a way to prevent the spread of uh, Asian carp. And specifically grass carp, big head carp, mm-hmm. um, silver carp. We don't have a lot of them in this section of the river. We, we've seen evidence of them, but we, I don't 
it's not clear if we have a breeding population yet, but trying to get it to stop, prevent the spread was to close that lock to navigation. That lock wasn't used a lot for traffic, but it is kind of a bummer for people who, because in Minnesota we have Lake Itasca and that's the start of the Mississippi River. Yeah. So a lot of people like to try to canoe and kayak that mm -hmm. whole thing. And so you can no longer navigate through that lock anymore. And and you do see people that are portaging their canoe. I mean, we have trails. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a two-mile trail, but you can portage your kayak or canoe from Boom Island down to uh, <laughs> Bohemian Flats. Yeah. But, but, yeah, it's 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 – yeah, it's 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 a fascinating thing, and I don't know about the zebra mussel. I don't know if I would say the lakes are completely dead because I bird lakes that have them, but I also realize that the Department of Natural Resources is well, restocking. He was fish. saying basically there is no cure for this problem, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse until the zebra mussels completely take over the lake and kill everything that's in there. Uh, that uh, was his theory. Okay, that was that was his. But I mean, here's the thing with the zebra mussel: humanity is terrible. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's it, the ze it's, zebra mussels are going to spread because you are going to have that asshole that's being like, "Fuck your rules, I'm gonna do yeah. this." I, I mean, yeah. that's I mean, everything that we've tried with emerald ash borer, with zebra mussels, with carp to try and keep people from spreading it is that right. people either think, "Oh, it's kind of like sex." <laughs> If I have sex with you this one time without a condom, I'm probably right. not going to get pregnant or VD. And then, whoops, two months later, gonorrhea. Yeah. <laughs> you trying to tell me something? <laughs> this is not how I expected this conversation to go. I should have said chlamydia. That's a funnier word. Oh, it is a funny word. All right, let's wrap this up. Oh! So remember how we did the weird podcast and last week and I was wow, like... Wow, I'm really curious to see where this goes. <laughs> And I was like, I had a story for our Patreon members, and I couldn't remember it, and we just kind of floundered with that podcast. Yeah. I remembered what the story was that I wanted to tell. Okay. So um, we have a group here in the Twin Cities called Global Birders, mm -hmm. and they ask people who've traveled to come and talk about a specific trip. And, and so they asked me to come and present on my Uganda trip. And so I was like you know, putting pieces together. And I have some videos that I took of that. And there was one that I kind of debated about putting in, and it's this video, and I put it on Instagram, I think, of when I got my first shoe bill. Mm -hmm. I swore at the end of it. and, I, <laughs> and But I was just like, it's it's a shoe bill. It, it, it deserves it. So at the, at the very end of the video, it's like, it, that's me saying, and that's a fucking shoe bill. <laughs> so I told everybody, I was like, I'm going to play this video. I'm just going to warn you. There's a little bit of profanity at the end. And I'm looking at the audience, and the audience, I was kind of gauging it, because I, I can stop it in time so right. that they don't hear it, but they seem like they seemed into profanity so i'm in this big gigantic fancy library oh yeah and um you know you have to plug in the sound system and this that and the other uh and so i play the video and everybody laughs and they think they think it's hilarious and all of a sudden this librarian comes scurrying in and is like tapping on things behind me. I was like, is everything okay? Keep going. Keep talking. You're fine. You're fine. I was like, no, it's, seriously, it's, what, what's going on? Um, whoever set up your audio, set it up so that the audio is playing in the children's section of the library. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> now, uh... I can't imagine that there's a child who has not heard fuck, but <laughs> I just love that. I'm just Kids are like listening to me, and that's a fucking shoe bill just out of nowhere in the kids section of the Is that library. God talking to <laughs> And then I was like, "Oh, you should leave it up because the rest of my videos, um, there's no talking, but you do hear things like like I have uh, videos where you can hear chimp chimpanzees sure. screaming and go gorillas grunting, and it's like, wouldn't it be great to be a kid in the library? And all of a sudden, it's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. 
All right. Oh, global birders. This has been Bird Chick Podcast number 244. Uh, if you have any questions for Sharon, you can find her on Twitter where she is at Bird Chick. You can email her, Sharon, at birdchick.com, and you can find her on Facebook where she is, The Bird Chick. Uh, if you want to join our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash birdchick. You get access to all our bonus episodes, which I think we have about five now. Yeah, so uh, every other week we do the, this podcast, and then so next week when we do a podcast, you have to be a Patreon member to hear that. Yep. And then sometimes, and we have don't we have one freebie up there where you have kind of like me telling a story that I didn't realize you were recording? Oh yeah, that's a free bonus episode. If you want to hear like some of the nonsense we're if, talking about, if you want to get an idea of that, Sharon was talking, not realizing that the mic was hot, so that's a good time. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, in our next podcast, we will have a guest. Uh, I'm not sure which of the three guests, but we will definitely be having a guest. Uh, well, let's 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 not say definitely until we actually get this scheduled. We will have guests upcoming. So. We, we yeah. Well, I, I feel like with one of them, we need to strike while the iron's hot. That's season fine. But. Yeah, yeah, and hey, everybody, are you going to a bird festival? What bird festivals are you looking forward to going to? Can you just email that? Because, uh, you know, maybe on the next podcast we'll talk about bird festivals. I know for myself, I'm going to go to the the one up in Ashland, Wisconsin this mm-hmm. year over by the Apostle Islands. Uh, I'm not doing the biggest week this year, but I know a ton of young birders that are doing that. If you want to meet some of the hot new young birders <laughs> out there. Uh, I would go to Biggest Week. I'm kind of bummed that I can't go because uh, there are some young birders that I only like shit talk with on the internet, and it's like, oh, I'd like to kind of meet you in person. <laughs> Wonderful. I want to be. I want to be like the old lady, and then like they're talking about stuff, and I'm there with my bourbon. I was like, Ugh, let me tell you about this time, Sonny. That's who you are. <laughs> All right, we will uh, talk to some of you next week, and we'll see the rest of you in two weeks. Ta ta. Woo.